Thank you, team, and good morning to you. Uh, man, it's good to be here uh, this Christmas season. Yesterday, uh, my daughter, who is nine, had a little Christmas party, and we built gingerbread houses, and it was a lot of fun. And on my gingerbread house, which was like the best gingerbread house, but on the back, I wrote on, this, on the like, rooftop, Noel. And all the nine-year-old girls were like, what does Noel mean? Like, what, what, who's Noel? Is what they asked. And so I explained to them that Noel is just, it just means birthday, is what it means. And so we sing of the birth of Jesus and the celebration of this season is all around the birth of Jesus. And so hopefully uh, as you attend Crossroads and worship with us today and in the days to come, uh, that we do have a grand celebration of the birth of our Savior Jesus. And if you are planning on coming and being a part of our celebration on Christmas Eve, where we really do uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus, then um, I would encourage you uh, to make those plans with your family. And specifically, if you're attending here at Thornton, uh, to get signed up online. We have a limited amount of spaces for our our, uh, for each of our services that we're doing here, and the four o'clock is almost filled, and so if you're not, maybe you should just cheat right now and pull out your cell phone and register your family if you want to do four, right? But 5.30 and 7 are available. Uh, all the other campuses online, Fort Lupton, you no need to uh, register. Just here at Thornton, we want to keep people safe, uh, particularly with the season that we're in with COVID and all the rest, all right? Uh, with that said, I do want to welcome uh, those of you joining online at Crossroads Live, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you might be, as well as up at Fort Lupton, and of course here at Thornton. If you are new with us and we haven't had the privilege of meeting. My name is Matt Manning. I'm the senior pastor uh, here at Crossroads Church. And today we are in the last part of a three-part series that we've been calling Canceled, where we are looking at the role that forgiveness plays uh, in our lives as we live out our lives. And so if you've been with us from the very beginning, uh, in week one, we looked at the role of repentance in our lives and how we're to walk in a lifestyle of repentance. Then last week, we looked at uh, the crucial question that all of us wrestle with, which is how do I forgive myself? How do I forgive myself? for the pains that I've caused in other people's lives? How do I forgive myself for the dumb things that I've done, for the stupid things that I've said? How do I forgive myself? And today, as we wrap up this series, we're looking at this question, how do I forgive others? How do I forgive others? Forgiveness, it's a hard topic, isn't it? I mean, even just saying the word forgiveness, you know, brings like a bristling to us. That past wounds instinctively spring to mind, making forgiveness feel, you know, impossible or at best maybe unnatural. And what feels like the right thing to do when horrible things have happened to us is to kind of rehearse in our mind over and over again the wrongs that have been done, to plot our revenge, if not in real life, at least in our imaginations. And I, like you, uh, have walked through this life and I've nursed my anger as I've lingered over the ways that people have hurt me. You know, I've had a close friend who, who ended our long-standing relationship by leveraging my position as the pastor of this church for his own gain. I've mentored a guy for many, many years who, who slandered me after that. I've had friends who had promised that they would be there in my time of need, and then they weren't. And maybe you have similar things in your life, or, or maybe you even have other things like, like, you know, a spouse who, who left unexpectedly for someone else. The doctor whose careless mistake ended the life of a child. A boss who promised you that you were in line for promotion, and then when that time came, you got, you got passed over. A trusted adult who took advantage of you as a, as a child. The investment broker who took off with all of your retirements. That we all have people in our lives who have hurt us deeply. That they've hurt us, hurt us deeply, and when someone seriously wrongs us, there's this absolutely unavoidable sense that, that they actually owe me. 
And naturally, when, when we get wrong, there's this compulsion to make the other person pay, isn't there? And we make them pay by being mad at them, by yelling at them, by, by trying to hurt them or hoping, wishing, you know, just waiting for something somehow to come into their lives that, that brings harm to them. And as we walk through this, most of us, we're at least aware, we're at least aware of this, is that when most of us are aware that these hurts in our lives, that they cause us like real anger, don't they? And if not dealt with, will eventually lead to like feelings of bitterness in our lives. And we know that that bitterness isn't like good for us. That as we dwell on that at night and as we go to sleep, like we know that that bitterness that resides in us is, is not right, it's wrong. And we know that it's like killing us on the inside. It's, it's killing us and nobody else. And so we, we clench our fists and we grit our teeth because there's this sense as it's replaying in our mind that, that this is just wrong. Like justice isn't being served. And so we're at least aware that the hurts in our life cause this anger, and if they're undealt with, like, like bitterness eventually roots itself in us. And we try to preach to ourselves to, to like, that it's wrong and that we don't need to be bitter, so on and so forth. And so the question that we eventually come to is what do you do with that? Like what do you do when people hurt you in your life? What do you do with the pain that's been caused by others? How do we find freedom in, in the hurts that have been caused by other people? And so if you have your Bibles, I, I want to invite you to open them up to Ephesians chapter 4 because those are the questions that we're going to try to answer today. And what I'm going to share with you is deeply personal to me and has huge impact, has had huge impact on my life. See, when I grew up as a kid, I was like the stereotypical redhead with like a fiery temper. Like I was, you know, in the saying when it, in the Avengers, when Cap comes to the Hulk and says, hey, what's your secret? And the Hulk says, the secret is, is like I'm always angry. That was me as a kid. Like I was just burning with anger. And in my college years, I, I had to face up and I had to deal with the anger of my life. And it was my understanding of what the Apostle Paul wrote in these verses that changed so much for me. It changed my life these two verses. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes this in verse 31. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. How do you diffuse the anger that's in your life? Paul says, you just get rid of it. You just let it go. I mean, you got to love Paul, right? Like this is the worst teaching ever. That's what this is, right? Like I kind of imagine myself sitting in a counseling chair with the Apostle Paul and I'm sharing like my deepest hurts and my, you know, just the devastation of, of the pains that someone's caused at me. And he looks over and he kind of just gives me a wink and a smile and just says, Matt, you just need to let all that go. <laughs> like, excuse me? Yeah, you just got to get rid of that in your life, man. You just got to get it all out. And we look at that and we go, I mean, even me thinking about it right now, like causes anger in my life. Like, like, just to go, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like, like, you don't know the hurt that this person's caused. You don't know the woundedness of me. Like, they're not going to get just like a jet, get out of jail free card on my behalf. And Paul looks at us and he goes, you just need to let it go. And you go, no, 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 Paul. You wouldn't say that if you knew my story. Like, if you knew my story, you would put me like in the exception category. And Paul goes, no. He says, if you have bitterness and wrath and anger... If you're wanting to yell at people, that's what clamor means. If you're slandering the people that you have in your life, you need to get rid of that. And then it's like he wrote all of this down and he thought of one more word, malice, which just means ill will, that you have ill will towards someone. And Paul says, if you got bitterness that's rooting in you, 
If you got anger and wrath, if you are considering ill will towards the people in your life, you need to dredge that all out. You need to get out from all of that. To which we might go, I don't know how. I mean, if I was being honest, Paul, I don't even know if I can admit all that's going on in my life, but if I could admit it, if I could own it, I don't know how to get rid of it. And if I was being really, really honest with you, Paul, there's a bit of satisfaction that comes to me knowing that that person knows that I'm mad at them. And we read these verses and we look at Paul and we just go, Paul, you obviously don't understand. You obviously don't get it. And we pretend that Paul's writing these verses in some kind of like vacuum. When the reality is at this point in Paul's life, he's, he's actually in a Roman prison. See, at this point in Paul's life, he's been unjustly treated by the people who once had his back. He's being unjustly treated by the political systems that, that are in his time. That he's being completely ignored by the Christians who he's actually trying to help. And so you have Paul in this moment sitting in jail because the people he used to be friends with have put him there. And the people who he is now friends with aren't doing anything about it. And so he's sitting there. And you can imagine the anger, right? You can imagine the re that he has reason to, to be mad at the political powers. He has reason to be mad at the Jews. He has reason, uh, reason to be mad at the Christians. And if we're being honest, he has a pretty good reason to be mad with God, doesn't he? I mean, his life was like perfectly fine before God came along. Like Paul, before he knew God of the Bible, like life was good. He was popular with the political leaders. He was revered among the religious leaders. He had fame and power and fortune. And then one day he's riding on a horse. God shows up, literally knocks him on the, off the horse. He becomes a Christian and his life goes awful. Like everything that could go wrong goes wrong in Paul's life. I mean, you look through Acts, you read through Acts and you see what this guy had to live through just on his way to this prison that he's now sitting in, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And so here Paul's writing this letter, and he's not writing from, you know, sandals in Paradise Island. He's writing attached to a Roman guard, chained to a Roman guard, sitting in prison. I mean, here's a guy who's endured all of that in his life, and he thinks, he actually thinks that you can just get over your anger, your bitterness, your wrath, your clamor, your slander, your malice in this life. In fact, Paul wouldn't only just say that I think you can get over it, but he says that I think that you can actually find freedom from it, that your life can be different, that you can be a different person. And we look at that and we totally discount it, don't we? I mean, but, but just think of this. If we could really get rid of our anger, if we could really put away the imaginary conversations, if we could really move past the bitterness that, that we have towards political systems and leaders and the people who have hurt us, if somehow we could face the people in our lives who have hurt us and not allow it to control us, wow. Wow. Because here's the truth for every single one of us is that we've all said things that we wish that we hadn't because we were mad. Because of our angers, we've all done stupid things, that we have absolutely nuked relationships in our lives because of the bitterness. And Paul says that we have all been there. But what if it could look different? Like, what if you could live differently? What if being consumed by your anger, what about being consumed about your bitterness? What if you could be free? What if you could live differently? What would that look like? And Paul says in verse 32, here's what it would look like. He says, you would be kind to one another. 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul sets up this contrast for us from verse 31 to verse 32. And he says, the way to get anger out of your life, the way to get rid of your anger, the contrast is by forgiving one another. It's by forgiving one another. And now the reality is, is that as we like approach this, every single one of us has, um, has our own definition of what forgiveness is, right? In a room this size, watching online, every single one of us has, has an understanding of what forgiveness is, or at least our definition of forgiveness. And we've all tried this, haven't we? Like, this isn't like a Christian thing. Like, we don't own this as believers. Like, this is just a regular part of human life. However, the Bible gives us incredible insight into understanding forgiveness and to realize what forgiveness is. And we come to realize this as we look at the Bible, that forgiveness is a decision. That forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision that we make. See, as we read through the Bible, particularly in this verse, what we see there is that the way that we are to read the Greek word is that we are to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, that we are to live our lives constantly doling out and giving out forgiveness in our lives. Just like two weeks ago, when we looked at repentance and we began to understand that repentance isn't just this like one-time thing that I do, but that our entire lives are demonstrated in repentance, that we are to keep on repenting as we live our lives, so too is it with forgiveness. That's the way that we're to do forgiveness. And listen, this isn't just something that happens, you know, because of our emotion or because of situation. That remember, for us, when it comes to our emotions, that emotions are just a signal to our body that something's amiss, that something's not right here, that something's wrong. And any time that we experience anger in our lives, what that signal or what it should signal to us is that injustice is happening. That's why anger happens in your life. That when anger flares up in you, when wrath comes up in you, it's because there's something in you that says, this isn't right. There's an injustice happening here. There's an injustice happening in my life. And Paul says that you can allow that anger to fester into bitterness, or you can make the decision to forgive. To which maybe you go, Matt, <laughs> I've already tried that. It didn't work. What else do you have? And anytime someone tells me that they tried to forgive, I know that they don't truly understand because we as humans, we don't try to make decisions. We make decisions. And forgiveness is making a decision. And the decision that you're making is that the person who has harmed you, the person who has offended you, the person who has hurt you, that they don't owe you any more. To which maybe you're thinking like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so for me, it's helpful to put into like monetary terms and monetary debt. And so let's just say this phone here, that my boys are playing on this phone and one of my boys drops my phone and breaks my phone. And let's say because it's a little bit of an older phone that to replace this phone or to fix this phone is gonna cost probably $400. So when they broke the phone, they incurred a $400 debt. And if I make them pay and fix this phone, then I get a phone, right? And they incur a debt of $400. But if I forgive them of their debts, it's not like that debt just all of a sudden disappears, does it? It's not like that debt just, you know, goes off into thin air. If I forgive them of that debt, I absorb the cost and I absorb the payment for my phone. See, if you're here today and you're breathing Someone in your life has hurt you. 
And every time you have that emotional pain, it's because there's this sense that something's been taken from you. Every single time you feel the anger begin to rise up because of something that someone's done in your life, there's this sense that you've lost something. And that thing that you've lost, you come to realize that you may never have it again. You would maybe say it like this, that I'm mad at my mom. Because when my mom left my dad, I no longer had the opportunity to have a stable family. And as I grew up, all of my friends had mommies and daddies together at dinner, but I never had that. Mom took the opportunity from me in that space. You might say I'm angry because a coworker of mine said some things that weren't true of me, and they ruined my reputation, and for the last year I've struggled to regain any of that. That a friend of mine said something harsh towards my service of God, and they're still in my joy. They're still in my joy. That I have so much anger because I just found out that my husband's sleeping with my best friends, and in a single moment I lost the most two important people in my life. This is so important that every time, every single time that you have been hurt, it's because someone has actually taken something from you, something that's valuable, something that's important, something that's cherished. And that's why this is so crucial, that you can't cancel a debt unless you know what's been taken from you. You can't cancel a debt unless you know the debt that's been owed to you. And so, it's important for you to be brutally honest about what you've lost because of someone else's cruelty in your life. And you don't dismiss or, or diminish the importance or the cherishedness of, of that that's been taken. You don't minimize that. But you can't move on until you fully understand what's been taken from you. And consequently, what happens is that a debt-debtor relationship is set up between us. And this is why we struggle so much. Because everything in us, when, when pain has been caused to us, when harm or offense has come our way, everything in us says, they do owe me. And the reason that we say they owe me is because they actually do. They actually do owe you. And so we, if we decide to say, you don't owe me anymore, I'm canceling your debt, it's like, as if I'm letting someone off the hook. It's like I'm letting them out of jail. It's like I'm letting them get away with something, and that's not fair to me. That's not fair to me. And if you're struggling with, with those thoughts, I want to help you a little bit with what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not, all right? First and foremost, know this, that forgiveness is not saying that the pain caused by what you lost doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not saying that the pain caused by what you lost doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not approving of what the other person has done. It's not minimizing the offense or denying that you've been wronged. Forgiveness is acknowledging that the other person has hurt you, and most likely they can never repay the debt that they owe you. I mean, come on, just think this through for a second. That as we've been talking through this, undoubtedly most all of you have a circumstance in your life that you're dealing with right now of some unresolved anger and bitterness in your life because of the hurt that someone's given to you. And I just want you to think through this just for a minute. What can they do to make that right? What can they do to right that wrong? I mean, is there any amount of money in the world that they could pay you that would make what they took from you whole? Is there any amount of sorries that they could say that what they took from you would make it whole. 
The answer to that is of course not. That there is nothing, there is nothing that they can do to repay their debt. And so consequently what happens is we carry around the burden. That we carry around the burden and we choose to walk in anger and bitterness. Sometimes the other person doesn't even know it. But we carry around this anger and this bitterness. And Paul looks at you and me and he looks at it and he says, come on. You can release all of that that you're carrying around. You can let all that anger and bitterness go if you just choose to forgive. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. The second thing I want you to know is that forgiveness does not mean reconciliation or restoration has to happen. Forgiveness doesn't mean that restoration or reconciliation has to happen. It does not require you to enter back into relationship with that person. The Bible teaches us that forgiveness is unconditional, always. Forgiveness is unconditional. But building back trust is always conditional. It's always conditional upon the one whose shoulders were the offender, the one who was the wrongdoer. And trust is built when that person humbly comes with repentance and, and their humble willingness to accept the consequences of their action. And only do you return into relationship when you and the other person agree that you want that relationship. Number three, number three is that forgiveness or forgiving people also doesn't mean that you won't experience or that they won't experience consequences for their action. That forgiving people doesn't mean that they won't experience consequence for their action. That biblically speaking, our role in this is to forgive and then to trust God that he'll take care of the consequences. That's our role in forgiving one another. That one of the verses that maybe you've heard, even if you're not in, in church world much, is Romans 12, 16. It's one of the most famous verses. It goes like this. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay back. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will be the one who pays back. Now, as we hear this verse, sometimes we think of this in, in ways that aren't altogether healthy. This verse doesn't mean that we can't take legal action that the Bible gives opportunity for us to take legal action within governing authorities, that that's part of what the Bible allows. But what it does mean is that when it comes to forgiveness, that vengeance belongs to God, not me. It belongs to God, not me. The fourth thing is that forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is, is costly. Honestly, when it comes to the first step of forgiveness, it feels like death. It feels like death that you may have heard the famous quote that forgiveness means giving up all hope for a better past. But we resist this, don't we? We want to cling to our right to be angry. And oftentimes we resent anyone or anything who says otherwise. We want to hold on to our anger because it all feels so unfair. And my flesh, there's something in me that just demands this type of retribution. Forgiveness doesn't make any sense. It's not intuitive. It's not natural because when someone owes you, they actually owe you. They actually owe you. And you expect to be paid back and you will hold that over their heads until they do. That's just the nature of who we are as humans. And all of this resistance in me, it actually shows, it actually shows that I don't truly understand forgiveness or what it means to truly forgive. See, the reality and the truth of all this is that, the only, is that only the truly forgiven people have really any motivation to forgive others. 
that only truly forgiven people have any real motivation to forgive others. If you're not forgiven, forgiveness will never make any sense to you. See, you've been invited into a relationship with God, an amazing relationship with an amazing God. And you've been invited into that relationship. And as you walk into that relationship, you come with a debt. I mean, oh boy, you come with a huge debt. Because of the sin in your life, you have a huge debt with God. And your soul cannot pay that debt. No matter what you do, your soul cannot pay that debt. You owe God. This isn't some make-believe. This isn't some fantasy. You really do owe God. And when you cry out to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God, in all of his grace, and all of his mercy, looks upon you, and he says, you don't owe me anymore. Your debt canceled, all taken care of at the cross. And then the most amazing thing is he looks at me, and he says, Matt, now I want you in your life to do the same thing for people in your life that I've done for you. I want you to look at your relationships. I want you to look at the people who've harmed you and hurt you and caused you pain. And I want you to look at them and say, you don't owe me anymore. Your debt is canceled. Go and do unto others as I have done to you. See, if you're not a forgiven person, you will never understand forgiveness. And not only will forgiveness not make any sense to you, it'll be something that you resist your entire life. The only thing, the only thing that makes sense out of forgiveness for us is that we have been forgiven. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, verse 32, he says, look, that you're to forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you, that you are to forgive because you are a forgiven person. You are a forgiven person. And we start to understand this, and it's the whole reason that we started this whole canceled series with the understanding of repentance and a lifestyle of repentance. Because repentance opens the doorway to all things forgiveness. That when I truly understand the debt that's been canceled on my behalf by God because of the repentance that I offer, when I truly begin to understand that, I start to remember how much and how much I will be forgiven in my life, and I look at the people in my life and I go, how can I withhold? How can I withhold what's already been given to me? And so here's what I wanna do. I want this to be really practical for you. If you're here today and you're dealing with anger and bitterness in your life because of pain and hurts that other people have caused you, here's what I want you to do. If I was coaching you, here's what I would tell you to do is that sometime today, tomorrow, sometime this week, that you would get out a piece of paper and you would take that paper and you would write some words on it. On one side of the paper, you would write taken from me. You'd put a big line down the middle and then on the other side, you would write debt. And I want you to think of the pain or the harm that's causing you anger in your life. So let's just take for example, maybe you're dealing with your parents divorcing in your childhood. Maybe that's what's caused you anger and bitterness in your life, that you haven't been able to work through that. And so even today, as teenagers, as adults, that that's something that you're dealing with in your life. That what your job would be then is to do, what you would do is you would take in from me that you would list all the things that were taken from you in that thing that you can think of. Maybe you would write things like, like when mom and dad got divorced, I was not able to spend Christmas with both of them. That's something important, valuable that was taken from you. Maybe it's something like, I never got to have dad tuck me in at night. Maybe it was, I didn't get to, to have a prayer time with mom and dad before dinner. Whatever it is that's been taken from you, you list those out. 
And then as you work through those, on the other side of the paper where it comes to debt, you work in your soul till you can get to the point where you say, canceled. Mom and dad, you don't owe me any more. And for some of these things that you write down, it'll be pretty quick. You'll write it down, and then on the other side of the page, you'll be able to write canceled, and you'll be able to believe it. It'll be true. But for some other things, it'll take days, weeks, even months to get to that point where you can write canceled on the other side of the paper. And your commitment in doing this is to God that I'll meet you, God, every single day. I'll meet you every single day and I'll wrestle through all of these things that have been taken, to, taken from me until I can get to the point where I can write on the paper, canceled. This person does not owe me anymore. Their debt is canceled. And here's the miracle that will happen for you. That once you reach that healthy point of resignation and you forgive that person, it won't matter anymore what happens. And if you do remember it, you'll shrug your shoulders and you'll look back on your life and you'll say, that sucked. But then, that's the end of it. There's no more deep hurt, no more bitterness spilling into your other relationships, no more wrath, no more slander, no more malice. The horrible loss that you experienced has now lost its power over you. And all that's left is the freedom for you to walk into. Paul says, get rid of it all. Get rid of the bitterness and the anger, the wrath, the clamor, the slander, the malice that's in your life. Be kind-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Forgive one another because that's the key. Just as God has forgiven you, only truly forgiven people know what it means to forgive others. Will you pray with me as we wrap this up? Father, Lord, we come into your presence, and um, Lord, admittedly, this is a tough subject for most all of us. God, we all have deep pains and hurts that people have caused in our lives. Lord, moments where the pain is so deep because of what people have done to us. And God, our natural inclination as humans is to bottle all that up in anger, for eventually for it to come, become bitter and to carry it around on our shoulders. And God, you want so much better for us. Lord, you want us to walk in freedom. You want us to walk, Lord, with, without burden. And so, Father, I pray today Lord, that you would help us forgive. That really only the true solution to our dilemma is to forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, it was so important that you, that you put it in your great prayer. And so today, Lord, we acknowledge, Lord, that not only have hurts been caused to us, but we have also caused hurts on others that every single one of us here are sinners in need of your grace and in your mercy. Lord, knowing that our sins are forgiven at the foot of the cross where you look down and say, your debt is canceled. And Lord, we live in that freedom with you. We live in that relationship with you. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength, Lord, to do that for those in our lives. Father, I pray for those now who, who have never been forgiven by you who have never sought that out, and Lord, who maybe don't understand what we've talked about today. God, I pray that as you whisper to their souls, Lord, that they would repent and know that you're there and that the cross of Jesus canceled it all. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
If you're here today and you want to know what it looks like to walk in relationship with Jesus, for your debts to be canceled, I would encourage you to simply text the number on the screen, 720-513-1933. That as a church, we come together and we celebrate communion. And as we celebrate communion, we realize that our forgiveness, our canceled debt is because of the cross. Where Jesus' body was broken, where his blood was spilt, so that our debts might be canceled. And so today, as we come together for communion, we take the bread as forgiven people, and we eat it in celebration of the life that we have. And we take the cup knowing that it was Jesus' blood that was poured out so that our, canceled, our debt would be canceled. We know that any time that we bring a topic up like this, particularly around the holidays, that it brings up some feelings that we're not altogether comfortable with. And so anytime over the next 20 minutes or so, if you need prayer, if you need someone to talk to, we have people available. You can just make your way to the banner and uh, we'll have people there to pray for you online. You can click the button. We consider it an honor to do so. As we sing, we're gonna sing of some Christmas carols. We're gonna proclaim the moment that Jesus came as a baby in a manger to one day die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Would you stand as we sing together? We have a God who...